Well, hello and welcome to episode number 406 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. In this week's pack show, we check out a DHL 757 that had a slight issue when landing. We take a look at a pile of suitcases at Manchester Airport and it's toilet roll time with Southwest Airlines. In the military, two South Korean trainer aircraft collide and we look at Ukraine, specifically the past training between USF 15s and the Ukrainian Air Force. So joining me this week across the sunny skies of Bungie here in Suffolk is, of course, Matt Smith. And of course, it, it is actually Sunday. This uh, not Sunday, sunny outside this evening. I got Sunday on the brain. Sorry, <laughs> it is. And there's, there's a lot of, lot of mu- music coming in yeah. in here, Matt. Yeah, well, yes, I, yeah. You, you're aware how this works. <laughs> Don't start. <laughs> I thought that's a bit loud. Don't no, really hear that. Right, yes. Okay. All right. Anyway, stop now. Calm down. Oh, I know. So, how, how are things in the world of Smith? This yes. Week? All right. Thank you. Yes, yeah, been a busy old week uh, at work, but uh, yes, they're they're all they're they're all at a big. Party party this evening so they're having a big christmas party uh that we couldn't have obviously at christmas because of the whole sort of you know thing Blimey. Uh, so that's taking place so they, they sort of called it a spring party instead spring so, break yes yeah, so all my colleagues are having some lovely food and lots of yummy wine as we speak and i'm very jealous of them all <laughs> you could have had the night off well, we're a bit short on numbers as it is already as, as i'm sure you'll allude to in a moment so alfie's there <laughs> right yes absolutely what more do you want? yeah i'm sure he'll drive the desk brilliant it'll be fine yeah, <laughs> and joining us from across the sprawling fields and rivers, sprawling and, fields and, wow. and lush gardens of the UK, wow. over in the sunny side of Buckinghamshire, wow. is of course Neville Barnes. <laughs> yes, it is quite sunny now. I'm pleased to say, um, a dance site uh, warmer than it was in Stockholm this week, where I've been since Monday. I got back uh, last night, and where it was minus two Oof. during the day, which is kind of all right, but it's the wind chill that you get with it, and it was absolutely freezing um, during the day. But safe um, to say, Nev, I think since since last Friday's show, you've you've done a. You've, you've been racking up those um, BA points. <laughs> I have, yes. I was in Dundee the week before, Ooh. Edinburgh, and then um, Stockholm for the week. So, uh, But I'm actually on terra firma for this coming week. Oh, uh, I say. <laughs> which is good. But, will, you, um, will you be able to cope? You and the banana have got a few outings planned? Yes. Not, not that far i think but right um, yeah so it was uh, yeah but a, yeah, a hectic week but uh glad to be back it was nice that uh matt c stood in for me yes yes, yes he yes, was yes, a good he super sub he was yes absolutely but um just quickly before we move on there quick question are how are things in the as the passenger experience why going at the minute with with traveling is it all getting back to some kind of normality well, it's a bit haphazard, I've got to say. Um, if you, like me, like taking early morning flights, then it's less of an issue. But if you're going, you know, during the day, um, then things, queues start to build up fairly quickly. There's just not the number of staff back that there were mm. uh, prior to the pandemic. I'm talking about Heathrow <clears throat> specifically now. Um, and it, it does, yeah. yeah. I, I don't take any luggage with me anymore. I just make sure everything I take yeah. is, uh, is hand luggage because there's always the risk that you could be seriously delayed. 
coming back home when you all you want to do is go home. Absolutely. Um, so uh, Manchester, of course, have got some challenges there by the sounds mm. of things, looking at the news this week and a couple of other airports as yeah. well. Um, but this is what happens because there's a lot of people off with the old COVID as well. Indeed, um, yeah. So that's not great. And, of course, people were laid off during yeah. the, the first part of the pandemic too. Yeah. So, And you can't just suddenly get people back in quickly into um, airside positions no um so no. yeah that's it's been very challenging and it's a shame because obviously the airports were saying you know we're open for business and all the rest of it but of course it's just unfortunate it's become the, the perfect storm mm. um, well we'll cover more of this obviously uh, in yeah. our news i think we've got a couple of stories that are sort of highlighting your point i think yeah, there, so it's going to be uh, yeah it's going to be something we come back to uh, later on in the program now, you may have noticed we haven't got uh, one of our team members here with us this week. Armando, uh, as many of you know who watch the show and listen to the show will know, he's in the process of, of kind of moving home. And it's a quite mm. a big process over in the US of A. Uh, so Armando is uh, he's taking time out to, well, to, to sort things out in you guys. But he has been flying mm. uh, today and sent us in some rather nice pictures which matt is putting on the screen for those of you watching in the world of youtube and it's safe to say that those pictures are stunning now, this was um, armando taking up the uh, parachute aircraft to uh, to take it out on a test jolly just to make sure everything was okay uh, with the aircraft and uh, yeah just uh, looking at the uh, pictures as matt puts them up there very nice weather for Char- charlotte indeed. looking beautiful as they say yes indeed. yes uh, uh by the way nev was there any kind of sort of catering or, or of any sorts during your uh, outing this week well a little bit yes uh, ba have got their their new club europe menu uh, oh. back um and you might be able to bring up a picture of uh, what was on offer coming back from stockholm to london yesterday and um it all looks and did taste rather nice i've got to say though i had the chicken uh, the buttermilk chicken and it's a bit stodgy oh. i have to say and it was oh. sort of superheated uh, as well so i've got a blister on my tongue oh, no. because of that <laughs> but uh, i also took, took a picture of what it looked like mm. uh, as well um, uh, i'm quite and, excited uh, by the cheese and dessert that's that that yeah that's that the would, bit that i get excited uh, about <laughs> yeah that was nice uh, yeah. and the uh, white and dark chocolate business oh hello that was also very pleasing <sighs> as well so oh, um, i see white yeah. and dark chocolate cremo is it cremo mm. is it is yes, it? yes. That's it. Uh, milk chocolate with milk chocolate shavings yeah oh i say yeah, yeah. So and, and you've got to have a selection of twinings traditional herbal teas of course absolutely there are this is ba we're talking about here obviously it's very serious business. but don't panic because according to that menu hot chocolate is available on request oh good yeah <laughs> so right. good to know good to well know. at least you were fed well anyway now. yeah that's yes i can't i can't complain and excellent uh, service on both legs uh from the ba cabin crew as always really as impressive. always yeah absolutely yeah. oh good so it's that time to say hello to everyone who's joined us in the youtube chat room this evening let's have a look look who's in there with us this week uh, captain cruz was in there nice and early this evening hello to you richard adams uh, is in there uh, mazus hello to you mazus hope you are well and GB's Model Zone, uh, Jonathan Warner, our resident military photographer. Hello to you, Jonathan. Um, <clears throat> is this the fo- John Jester? Uh, 
Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> John <laughs> Jester. It was supposed to. I was about to say this is one of the pictures behind me that he said is what he took today, uh, and it all got a bit carried away. <laughs> sorry, John, John Jester. <laughs> Nick Codling. Hello to you, Nick. Uh, we've got Flyer One Five Two. Hello to you as well, Tony S. Good evening. Uh, I'm just keen Neil to start. Lamborn. I'm just keen to start. That's what it He's is. So yeah. excited. <laughs> Neil Lamborn at Mash is also in there. Hello to you, Masher. Dave Abbey. Hello to you, Dave. Nice oh, to see you in the chat room. For, seen you for a little while. Yeah, good to see you. And also, Sturman has just jumped into the uh, chat room as well. Funny enough, still saw Sturman this afternoon. So, uh, right. hope you are Very well. Good. And don't forget, if you're listening to the show as an audio podcast and you want to join the madness, that is the live YouTube chat room. <laughs> uh, don't forget to check us out on YouTube. Search for Plain Talking UK. Hit that subscribe button. Well, not literally hit it, but click on it. And Press uh, gently. Hit, and yeah. press gently the bell icon, which is right next door, <laughs> uh, to be notified when we're live and recording new episodes like we are now, because we'd love to have you in the chat room. So there's loads of commercial news to get through this week. So if... If all the team is ready. Yes, indeed, yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, I've reset everything. Well done, me. Please take your seats and fasten your seatbelts. And this week's first commercial news story comes to us from uh, samchewy.com. And it's a story that broke earlier this week. It's made, actually yesterday, made uh, headlines pretty much everywhere with many videos on social media. And it's a DHL Boeing 757 that crash landed in San Jose. So on Thursday, yesterday, the 7th of April, a DHL Boeing 757 veered off the runway and split into uh, two parts after an emergency landing at San Jose Juan Samdamiria International Airport in Costa Rica. At the 757 with registration hotel Papa 2010 Delta Alpha Echo was operating a cargo flight from San Jose Juan Santa Maria to La Aron International Airport in Guatemala City when it was forced to return to its departure airport due to an emergency. As reported by the Delfino, the crew declared an emergency requested to return while they were flying over the San Carlos area great area that uh, shortly after the aircraft entered into a holding pattern to dump fuel before returning however on landing the aircraft didn't come to a stop and veered off the runway and broke in a, a two pieces uh, the 757 veered off the runway and was seen uh, with the tail broken off at the rear of the aircraft. The fire department spokesman, uh, Jesu Lara, confirmed that the aircraft was transporting cargo material and had reported a hydraulic problem in the air. Two crew members were on board the aircraft, and both are reported to be safe without any serious injuries, which is takes some doing after watching that crash. I think one of the videos, Nev, someone said on air that the thrust reversers didn't... Um, didn't deploy after it landed yeah the, it, there was sort of noise as if the thrust reversers had been engaged but you didn't see the, cowling. the cowling come back mm. did you so no. um yeah i wonder what's matt's, matt's got the there. video running now 
Yeah, um, those of you watching, no, no audio on it. Unfortunately, I was sort of I was, I was I was playing it again to see if see if there was the noise that you were talking about. But uh, yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of smoke, which I think is coming from the gear because obviously they, they, those guys, if they hadn't got any reverse thrust, would have been literally pumping those pedals as hard as they could yeah. on landing to get those brakes to to uh, to come, which would obviously have heated the brakes up quite a bit. But um, yeah, it's. Mm. Um, if you look at the video, there's loads of pictures on social media, and one of the pictures shows there's quite a big hole, lot of dip in the ground just off that uh, taxiway where the aircraft dipped into, and then obviously because of the the, the camber on the dip, it obviously split the aircraft yeah. in uh, in two in there. But um, luckily there was no fire, uh, though. Yeah. That's the main thing, and the um, everybody's uh, the okay. two crew uh, yeah. got out. Um, you know, uh, with, absolutely. Uh, uh, John Jesser in the chat room actually is making a good point. It's always good, good to have John in the chat room because he knows his stuff. Yeah. And uh, John says the Pratt and Whitney engines are hydraulic activated. Right. Because what, some does, of the, that, what uh, does that mean? What, what do you well, mean by well, hydraulic some, activated? Some seven fives are powered by Rolls Royce engines, and some are powered by yeah, Pratt yeah, and yeah, and, yeah. Um, and the the the, the re- thrust reversers um, uh, are activated hydraulic. So if you look at the engine, the cowlings kind of open and move back, so that when the the thrust reverses engage, the thrust is blown forward rather than backwards. Right, for normal flight. Okay. Um, and like we said, if you watch the um, watch the video, you'll see that there's there's no cowling movement on the engines at all. So obviously the engines are at full pelt, but they're pushing the aircraft forward right. rather than pushing it backwards, which is not what you want when you're landing an aircraft. Right. Um, okay. He uh, says the General Electric engines are pneumatic. Right. So, and that's yeah. air rather than hydraulic. Yeah. That's yeah, it. Okay. That's correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. So sim- basically, similar sort of thing. It's just that one's one's done by hydraulic. And but if they way. had um, if they had hydraulic problems, that would suggest that that was the um, the, the cause issue. Of, of the so, issue. Yes. Yeah. I, I just am very surprised to sort of. I mean, we sort of see. I mean, we were talking about obviously like with the nose gear and all that kind of. Thing. I, I, I see what you did there, Nick. Yeah, Nick says, sad, sad to lose a 757, <laughs> although Matt may disagree. Yeah, you're probably right, Nick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just I just thought that the, the, the flight crew, obviously, they, they could see at the end of that runway that there wasn't mm. much there in regards to stuff, anything to stop the aircraft. Mm. So it's almost like the, the pilot veered the aircraft round. Made the decision to, to, to dig it in them, the ground, yeah. To stop them from, from going right off the end of the runway. There possibly could have been something at the end of the runway which, which would have been worse to to yeah. uh, to hit. Yeah. But, um, Captain Cruz no. is saying good airmanship. If engines don't go in reverse, just put the aircraft... Just put the aircraft in reverse. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That, yeah. That'll do the job. Yeah. Absolutely. Almost like a handbrake turn, John Jester. Yeah. Yeah. Quite. <laughs> absolutely. Although, as I say, the bit the bit that surprised me was the fact that it. And do you think it's just because it was travelling a lot faster, and when it sort of came off the runway onto the onto the earth, is that why the tail end sort of? I just, well, just of course, never, it's never sort of seen anything separate. Um, if the uh, I, I would imagine. Uh, obviously, the flaps are hydraulically operated, probably as well. Oh, that's um, true. And, yeah, and therefore they may not have had full flap retraction. Uh, sorry, yeah. full flap engagement available to them. So very and therefore they may have had to land at a higher speed. Yes, um, and, and less but, um, braking available and all. Yeah. That kind of um, thing. So uh, yeah, who knows? 
Um, but um, yeah, well, the fact is that they they both got out. And they did. That's the most the important thing, isn't it? That's yeah, the main thing you know, it's just yeah. it's just just an aircraft at the end of yeah. the day, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. If you if you take yourselves over to the Aviation Herald website, actually Simon's great site there. He's got um, he's got some good pictures on there um, mm. of the the crash site from from the air as well. Um, and there's also some videos on there from different aspects, watching the aircraft come into land and then and then veer off at the end of the runway. Oh. But um, that is that is quite looking at the picture that I'm looking at here on the Aviation Herald website. It is a hell of a dip. Yeah, um, okay. that, that aircraft has sunk into. So yeah, yeah. Uh, jo- John Jester is also saying that the structure isn't designed uh, for load in the upward direction, but only in the downward. Mm. Which would explain why perhaps it was, as you say, like it's sort of about, you know, all the details we're, we're, we're surmising. The main, as I say, the main thing is everybody got out okay. And uh, all right, some people won't get their parcels or they'll be a little bit delayed. A little bit delayed. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as I say, more, more to come in the report, I think. Yeah. Uh, Matt, you've got the next story. And I have. Um, this is just, just bizarre. It is. It is. This is uh, story number two is a Ryanair story. We haven't had one for a little while, so I thought we'd treat ourselves. A couple accidentally board the wrong Ryanair plane and end up 800 miles away from home. This is on the mirror.co.uk. Uh, and a couple of confused travellers were left stranded after trying to get back to the UK following a trip to France. And somehow they ended up in Spain. Uh, Elise Malia and Jesse Jeskowell uh, found themselves 800 miles away from their home destination after trying to fly back from Marseille. The pair had made a whistle-stop tour on the port town uh, to watch a football match against Nice, but ended up unexpectedly extending their trip with a little journey to the Spanish capital of Madrid. It wasn't until the uh, couple were making their descent into Madrid that they realised the mix-up. Elise, who is an estate agent from Fulham, said an hour into our flight, Jesse said he thought he heard a uh, flight attendant say madrid but uh, we just thought we'd dreamt it uh, after they we started realizing uh, all the flight attendants were speaking spanish uh, when the, when we asked uh, they told us that they, we were going to madrid uh, and we had no idea how that was possible she added they'd had their boarding passes scanned three times before boarding the flight and assumed they must have been wrong uh, but when the uh, but when they checked they weren't uh, we were baffled and so were the flight attendants she said we got home in the end but we still have no idea how it happened it's not like getting the wrong bus we literally ended up in a different country Uh, the uh, couple were booked on a flight from Marseille to Stansted shortly before 3pm on the 21st of March and headed towards what they believed was the correct gate to board Elisa said she swore she saw Madrid on the neighbouring gate to theirs she recalled even making a joke to Jesse saying that they should continue their holiday and go to Spain instead of returning to London not realising that they may have actually done exactly that Uh, Elise said surely it must have been quite hard to actually get on the wrong plane because of the security Uh, well uh, this that is what we thought the pair did eventually make it back to Fulham but five hours later than planned now I do slightly disagree with this of course because I mean we've made a a joke before uh, that that, you know like especially with Ryanair these are very much like the the buses of the skies (laughs) aren't they i mean you know so it, it uh, so i disagree i do think it is a little bit like getting you know sort of accidentally uh, ending up in cambridge when you wanted to be in london for example but uh, the bit that does bother me though is is that uh, 
clearly the passes weren't being checked by the gate agents particularly thoroughly. I mean, they surely they can't have been scanned, otherwise... Surely well, the QR code would not be working, would it? Let's well, quite. This this is what I'm thinking. Got the wrong thing. Yeah. But I know I know a lot of a lot of the the sort of the remote airports. I mean, Stansted they're using the QR codes left, right, and centre. But quite often, when you're in these other airports, that they, they aren't scanning the QR codes. They're literally just reading the boarding pass or not. In this case, um, what I mean, about the, the the announcement before they took off? Because normally, I mean, not every time, admittedly, but most of the times, even with Ryanair, the flight crew will say, "Welcome on board this flight to." Yes, but how many people are actually paying? This is the problem, isn't it? Hardly anybody's paying attention. That does prove a point, doesn't it? You know, this (laughs) this is the thing. You know, they they said the the first inkling they got was like an hour from from the landing where they could hear the crew all speaking in Spanish. And but that I mean that's not unusual to be fair because they they wouldn't they don't necessarily you know they could be flying to to France and still be speaking Spanish, couldn't they? But um, yes, what what a bit of a a mix up I think is the best way to describe this. Well, a, a few, a Neil Lamel in the chat room just says that um, Madrid is much nicer. True, the truth, to Marseille, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, don't disagree with you there. Oh, so um, Nev, you've got uh, your, as always, your BA story for this week. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's on the uh, Daily Mail dot uh, uk and the Independent dot <clears throat> co dot uk. Excuse me. Um, it says that British Airways is selling economy seats on domestic flights for extraordinary prices during the Easter holidays, including £463 for a London to Newcastle single ticket, in an apparent attempt to discourage Britons from travelling. The high costs have prompted claims that BA is selling flights at Concord prices uh, because the price per mile is even higher than some of the fares on the legendary supersonic jet that flew between London and York until 2003. The lowest weekday fare for London to Manchester on BA over the next fortnight is £259 on both this uh, Wednesday and next Tuesday, but the most expensive is £415. However, the price does fall to £47 after Easter on Wednesday, April the 20th. By comparison, if you're taking the train and off-peak uh, single for an Avanti West Coast service from London, Euston to Manchester Piccadilly is £68.60. And an anytime single is £184.70. National Express coaches cost as little as £8.90. Newcastle doesn't fare much better with BA flights starting at £316 and topping out at £463 for the next fortnight compared to EasyJet's cheapest fare of £39 from Gatwick. Uh, Paul Charles, who's chief executive of the travel consultancy, the PC Agency, told the Mail Online, like several airlines and airports, BA is suffering from a severe lack of staff due to COVID. So the airline is effectively putting up prices sharply to act as a deterrent so that it reduces the likelihood number of passengers who will be affected by future cancellations if more crews return earlier than expected then ba will be in the lucky position of having earned more per seat that in that than it had forecasted for uh, the newspaper's uh, travel correspondent simon calder compared it to when monarch did the same in 2017 
before it's collapsed, uh, before it's collapsed in an effort to stop passengers booking amid attempts to save the airline. Now, there's no suggestion that BA is is having any financial difficulty at all here, but the airline appears to be unable to meet its planned schedule and therefore wants to reduce the number of passengers who could be affected by cancellations. Um, And there's some uh, pretty eye-watering fares, certainly around the European cities. Uh, Amsterdam's £516, uh, Milan, £657, Nice, £735. Um, so yeah um, but this but there's you've also I think you've got to factor in the Easter holidays as well yeah because just like hotels and anywhere else you might stay it tends to be more expensive during the school holidays than in other uh, other times of the year doesn't it absolutely Um, but some of those um, fares are a bit eye-watering but of course this is also taking into account people booking quite late as well so if you'd booked this you know, advance, three or four months yeah. ago, if you knew you were going, then it wouldn't be anywhere yeah. near the pr- sort of price we're talking about. Indeed. Uh, as I said, we can always rely on John for some um, amusing sort of fact-checking as well. He's just saying, uh, for reference, uh, some notes that John had put in here, which I will read, actually, but he says, for reference, a little bit of digging. Uh, the, surprise, surprise, the Concorde pricing is a little bit of a stretch. Uh, in 1979, a Concorde trip from Heathrow to New York one way was £605. Adjusted for inflation, that's £2,734. So there we go. It's not entirely uh, quite right. And I I think uh, Mr. Lamorne is onto something here, Nev. I think you're to blame for this, where he says, I think they got your email about keeping the plebs out then. Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, it's a reasonable point, though. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, 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 indeed. Uh, uh, interestingly, he's saying adjusted for inflation, those 12,000, uh, the, the, the flights, uh, was it $12,000 is roughly uh, 9,200 uh, pounds, uh, so the cost per mile. Uh, uh, London Heathrow to JFK was two pounds sixty-seven, which is lower than the Manchester route. There you go. It's very difficult to compare it, isn't it? Because you've I got know, to add in the so long inflation yeah. factor and, yeah. and all the rest of it. You know. I say, my hats to to John on that one, mm. working working it all out and allowing yeah. allowing it. So, if you include the rate of inflation as it is now, yeah, uh, London Heathrow to JFK was two sixty seven, uh, two pounds sixty seven a mile, which is lower than the Manchester route. So there we are. Perhaps mm, that's what. Okay. Perhaps those are the numbers they were using to make that bold claim. Mm. It'd be interesting <laughs> to see, Nev, if uh, closer to the time in September when we go to the Air Jersey Air Show, how much the prices change <laughs> from what we've already paid. Yes, it would, wouldn't it? Um, and um, uh, in fact, it would be a good, quite interesting to a comparison, wouldn't it? I think we might do that perhaps on yeah. or perhaps a week before we are due to go. Oh, yes. Compare the prices. See uh, what it then was. Compared yeah. to what we've already paid when we bought yeah. the tickets a while Absolutely. ago. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Richard Adams has a, a good point in the chat room here, uh, saying that uh, maybe they're just doing their bit to reduce the uh, crowding and delays at Manchester. <laughs> doing their bit <laughs> yes <laughs> it is yeah. isn't it yeah. yeah doing their little bit okay anyway so talking about manchester well good good segue there matt well i done. know it's it's uh, like it's like this is occasionally thrown together in some kind of organized this. manner <laughs> this uh story comes to us from the independent.co.uk and piles piles of ditched suitcases at Manchester Airport after travel chaos. 
So photos of piled up abandoned suitcases at Manchester Airport have emerged following days of slow queues and hour-long waits for baggage. Disruption caused uh, by uh, the wake of the pandemic and scaling up operations in the wake of the pandemic that reached boiling point uh, this week. Passengers at Heathrow, Birmingham, Dublin airports have all reported similar delays in recent weeks, with airlines at all four advising passengers to arrive early, which we all do, as possible for departure to have hand luggage security ready. Some even are customers to keep hand luggage to a minimum to avoid long waits. Passengers took to Twitter to complain about the disorganisation at the Northern Hub. Chaos at Terminal 2 arrivals at Man Airport this evening was one. Uh, luggage stacked everywhere from flights offloaded way after passengers had left. Rumours during the rounds were that, uh, were that they were told to collect it tomorrow from the airport or the following day, despite the flight being only arrival into T2, one-and-a-half-hour wait, wrote Paul Griffiths. An hour-and-a-half delayed coming back to Ventura, plus a two-hour wait for luggage at Manchester Airport, tweeted an exasperated Andrea Coley. Uh, Meanwhile, no dispatcher was available to meet the flight, and the arrivals hall was full of what appeared to be abandoned luggage, said Alan Price of his welcome to the airport. Many complained of having to ditch their luggage at the airport after two or three hour waits for cases to be unloaded from their flight. Passenger Perry Freeman told Manchester Evening News that he had landed in Manchester on Friday but only received his luggage back on the Monday evening, a day before his return journey. The luggage or the left luggage graveyard comes after weeks of complaints about long queues and slow security lanes amid a general staff shortage. However, the check-in and security situation seem to have improved this, uh, this well, later on in the week. Irish journalist Nermot McDermott told The Independent. He said that he was there later on in the week and got through security in seven minutes. On Wednesday evening, the managing director at Manchester Airport, Karen Smart, stepped down from her role amid the furore. At Manchester Airport, or Manchester Airport's group spokesperson said many companies in the aviation sectors are facing resourcing challenges at present, including third-party service providers on the site, such as badge, uh, baggage handling agents. Hmm. It's all kicking off in the airports, isn't it? Oh dear. Yeah, yeah. I th- it's just yeah. it's. I, I think it's, this is, this goes back to what Nev was saying, though, is, doesn't it? I think. You know, the, the, this this is the thing, isn't it? It's the recovery has begun, but because loads of people were understandably laid off by the various airports and things beforehand, and of course, you know, the, perhaps this is a scenario literally where recovery has outstripped their ability to, re, you know, replenish those positions, perhaps, and that's why it's sort of, you know, hey, the problem is some a lot of the smaller of people got airports, laid off, especially, yeah, absolutely, and and the, 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 you know, these people have got bills to pay, and they won't just sit. They, they, well, they no, they get can't. Another job. Find yeah. another job, go to you know, go to that job, and and then that's it. You know they're not going to come back. Well, you know many of them did. Well, I mean some back, some so. of them will, of course, but uh, mm. as you say, it, it's, it's one of those, isn't it? You can't afford to just sit around and wait in case they do, like you know, offer you your job back. I mean, you've you've got to get out there again, haven't you? Mm. You know. So you didn't have any issues like this, did you, Nev, with your uh, your luggage? I was very lucky. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't take any um, check luggage anyway, knowing that there might be some difficulty, so I jammed it all into 
my regular bag and it was fine but um i had heard actually about some weird stuff going on at t5 with the luggage again as well so really i thought i'm not gonna not gonna, not gonna go there so gonna risk it. Uh, we'll have to uh, see but I hope, I hope it gets better because it's just awful obviously for people that are you know that mm. with no luggage there or long waits not great so matt you've got the uh next story uh about um hong kong falling off the map Yes, it not not quite what it it sounds like. Uh, now, now I, I threw this one in because I found I found this sort of quite quite interesting. Uh, I'll I'll read the story and explain why in just a moment. So Hong Kong falls off the map as aviation hub amid uh, amid travel curbs, as this is from the Bloomberg website here. Hong Kong has uh, ceased to function as an international aviation hub as it curbs inbound flights and quarantines uh, and quarantines arriving passengers, according to a trade group representing hundreds of airlines worldwide it's effectively off the map now and i think it's going to be difficult for hong kong to recover willie walsh the director general of the uh, international air transport association said at a briefing on wednesday uh, it's going to be to lag significantly behind the recovery that we're seeing elsewhere and has led to a tough time for all airlines operating there even the city's shortened isolation requirements for a Arriving passengers, quarantine has halved to one week this month, will deter travellers, Walsh said. The uh, IATA chief said that with much of the rest of Asia reopening, he remained optimistic Hong Kong could start to relax its border restrictions. However, Hong Kong is still banning flights, even after rolling back some of the world's strictest inbound curbs. Uh, There has been increasing frustration over the city's closure for much of the past two years during to the pandemic pandemic restrictions now the reason why i found this interesting is um especially if you want to go to like sort of australia and things like that i mean uh hong kong was a very popular hub wasn't it for where people would often um lay over or transition to you know the second part of their flight uh to 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 carry on and i was wondering i mean presumably you've still got you still have that desire and need don't you as places are starting to reopen so my question to you two, who are probably a little bit more experienced in this case, as I say, because when Mum went to Australia, uh, Hong Kong is exactly where she actually stayed for three days. She stayed there for three days before she then transitioned uh, on to Australia. Uh, but, I mean, presumably people are still doing these trips. Um, but, um, you know, what what is the hub these days? I mean, I, I've got Kuala Lumpur as a possible... Um, sort of transition hub in mind. I know Dubai quite often uh, does yeah, act as a bit of could, a could, could be yeah. Dubai, Singapore, mm. Hong Kong. Uh, also, Kuala the Lumpur. new one at Turkey. Yeah, mm. yes, that's true, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so, so do you think that's what will happen? I, I suppose you know people will just get used to transitioning through a different airport because, uh, as I say, Hong Kong has been very much the staple uh, for a long time. Yeah, I, t- I think things have changed anyway. I mean, mm. back in the day, I think a lot of people did go through Hong Kong and Singapore, but I think um, as people's travel habits change and they want to visit other cities, um, certainly, you know, other major hubs have opened up like Dubai and, and as Carlos said, in Turkey as well. Well, especially with the, the longer range flights now as well so, mm-hmm. uh, but um yeah interesting interesting indeed it's one of those places i'm 
our well on our bucket list of places we want to both go is Hong Kong. Yeah. Whether we'll actually get to go there anytime soon. I, don't know I mean, I think the borders will open up, you know, when when they're good and ready. I mean, you, in some respects, you can't blame them for for wanting to be cautious. Um, you know, I, I do I do get it, but also at the same time, you think, well, um, you know, I mean, the damage they're doing to their own. Um, you know their their own economy, if you like, is or, mm. or will do, is that not in you know is that um, that route not um, as valuable to them as perhaps it is with some other um, with some other countries? Maybe I mean perhaps that's not you know high on their list of of concerns. I don't know. I tell you what is quite a big hub as well, which we've we've gone through a couple of times before, is Doha. Right. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah it is, a lot. A lot of through traffic go through there to other countries. Yeah. yeah. Especially uh, the Australian route. People flying to the to Australia. Doha is um, is one of the stop off places for Qatar mm. or Qatar, if you want to call it. Qatar fly from Heathrow to Australia, but they go via Doha. So. Yeah. Indeed. So Nev. You have got the next story, and when I found this one this week, I thought, what a lovely paint job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you you may be in the minority, but um, (laughs) let's have a look. It's on thepointsguy.co.uk, and they said, we thought it was a joke at first because April's Fall's Fall's Day was, was last week, but German leisure airline Condor on Monday revealed a new livery, and... They have some questions about it. The the livery was unveiled in Toulouse as the airline's first Airbus A330neo left the paint hangar. It's got a lot of stripes. And here here is how the airline describes it. Condor is vacation and vacation is stripes. Germany's most popular leisure airline is unveiling its brand uh, identity today. In the future, Condor will wear stripes in five colours inspired by parasols, bath towels and beach chairs. Condor is evolving into a distinctive and unique vacation airline. Uh, Well, you certainly can't argue with the terms distinctive and unique, and ultimately the stripes (laughs) are going to come in five colours. Yellow, which is what they call sunshine, red for passion, blue for sea, green for island and beige for beach. The first flight operated by a striped plane will come on Tuesday when a yellow striped Airbus A321 will fly to Lanzarote in the Canary Islands. Um, And the stripes aren't just for the airline's fleeter aircraft. Far from it, the cute crew uniforms, accessories such as neckerchiefs, ties and pins will shine in the new design too, which will also make its way on board to the airports, on the website and on social media. In the coming weeks and months, many items on board will be replaced, such as cups, blankets and cutlery, as well as all material on the ground, such as boarding passes, ID cards and airport signage. The new identity identity was designed by German designer Remo Masala's firm Vision Alphabet. Our goal was to endow Condor with a special visual independence, the rationale of which is united in Condor's brand brand essence, the invention of the vacation flight and the effective vacation code, the stripes of summer, 
joy and freedom, Masala said in a statement. Years ago, Condor's livery was sometimes confused with that of another much larger German airline, Lufthansa, which was once its owner. Uh, let's just say that there will no be longer be any confusion with this livery. Absolutely. And, uh, now, uh, it's, uh, I, I think it's safe to say there is no division in the uh, chat room this evening. <laughs> I think it's unanimously disliked. Uh, Nick Codling has described it as uh, it r- resembles uh, some sweets uh, back in the day. I think um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying. I think, I think he said possibly uh, paces. I think he's saying with the, the sweets. I do. I do exa- see exactly uh, what he. he oh, Rhubarb custard is another one, but that's right. That's yeah, color, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, Neil Lamwarn, yeah, John, John, John Jester isn't keen. He says that's gross. Uh, Neil Lamwarn was saying it skews the name and the registration. Terrible. Um, I said, uh, well, Captain Cruz says Condor have done a marvelous. Uh, have, have done marvellous to even find a scheme that was never seen in history and discussion about it shows it's already paid off no matter whether you like it or not that's a very good point actually here we are uh, talking about the livery I mean you will not you will you will remember it I suppose perhaps that is, that is the point that they're trying to make isn't it what do we, what do we think are we keen I <laughs> It's not for me, but I could see why some people it, it might appeal to some people. Yeah. Certainly, a cap, uh, appeals to Captain Cruz. Yeah, uh, he says uh, no dislike here. I think it looks better in reality than uh, in the pictures. Quite possibly. That's no, that's not entirely uncommon, is it? Uh, yeah. Yes, a lot of us look better in real life than we do in pictures. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, for, for plane <laughs> spotters, you're not going to have a, you're not going to have a job. You know, filing to spot the aircraft. No, no, that you're you're, um, in, you're, you're on safe safe territory there. Uh, that's that's uh, that's not to, that's not to do. As you say, uh, well, as uh, um, I've I've tried to fight. Sorry, I've had a, a, a what's that from Mark? I'm not sure what the the surname is on that, but it says, "Oh, oh, my days! Only our friends, the Germans, could come up with that." Uh, how much how much masking is involved for the respray? It might be oh, a wraparound. Blonde, yeah. it might be a wraparound. I suppose that's that's always yeah. possible. Uh, just like the car paints of the ACC saying a fly a flying tree bore mint uh, <laughs> toothpaste. Jenny Parkinson. Yes, this is what we like to see. Yes, oh yeah, John Jester makes a good point. You will know that is them from the ground when they are at cruise. True. Which is True. yeah, but, yeah, because you can always. You can always spot uh, an Emirates um, aircraft, you know, flying over on a clear day because it has the massive Emirates logo Logo on the bottom, underneath. And there are a few airlines that, if even without looking at Flight Radar Twenty Four, other apps are available. Yes, uh, you can you can see by the by the colour, yeah, what airline that is, and and make a fairly good judgment of what it is. So indeed. Yes. Anyway, so yeah. yes, as, as, like it or loathe it, it's worked. We're talking about it, uh, and it's certainly not a li- <laughs> It's certainly not one we're going to forget, is it? Let's be honest. No. <laughs> so next story doesn't concern stripes or anything, uh, but it is good news for those of you who watch and listen to the show who have kids who love Disney. 
holidays. Uh, this one comes to us from the sun.co.uk, and uh, this is all about play. Budget Airline is launching flights to Florida from just £149.99. Perfect for Disney holidays. Budget Airline Play has launched more cheap flights to Florida, and they start from, as I said, 14999. The Icelandic airline will begin flights from Liverpool to Orlando later this year, with inaugural flights scheduled for November the 4th, or just before bonfire night. Uh, the journey includes a one-hour and 50-minute stop in Reykjavik in Iceland before continuing on to Orlando International Airport. The airline, which launched last year following the demise of Wow Air, will have a twice-weekly flight available for, uh, from November the 4th and April the 10th, 2023, making it a great choice for Brits planning on visiting Disney World during the school holidays. One-way flights from 149 and round-trip flights are going to start from £287 per person. To Florida? crazy. This is alongside their London Stansard to Orlando flights, which launched in February this year, and they started from £225 for a Goodness term of flights. In comparison... British Airways has one-way flights to Orlando from £293. And uh, their CEO... Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So it's going to be more expensive to fly with BA from... I know that's not the point of the story, but it's going to be more (laughs) expensive to fly from... Where was it? Heathrow to Orlando. Uh, Sorry, it's going to be more more expensive to fly to Newcastle than it is to Orlando with BA. To Orlando, I know. It's crazy how this works. Um, the CEO of Play said that he's looking forward to welcoming passengers from the northwest region and beyond to help them on their, ice, their journey to Iceland or the US. He says that we are a no-frills airline, but with our reliable and affordable flights, Play's passengers can spend their hard-earned money in their holiday destination rather on getting there. Well, yeah. And it, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's ridiculously cheap. How the hell are they going to make money on this flight? Although we all know about the good old fashioned add-ons, which I'm sure there are, there's mm-hmm. bound to be plenty and if of you, add-ons. If you are a family, you are going to need a suitcase of some description. So. Yeah, the, the suitcase. <laughs> yeah, the kids obviously have their own suitcase. Yeah. The food, the drink. <laughs> I mean, it's gonna it's gonna end up being more than two hundred and eighty-seven pounds. Yeah, per Mark says that's that, that's an unreal price. Is it standing only? Is is is? Good. <laughs> <laughs> And also, I mean, it does say that they go to Orlando, Melbourne Airport rather than Sanford. So that's oh, quite okay. a bit further. Uh, a bit like the, the Ryanair model, you know, London Norwich <laughs> Airport. Oh, yes. Oh, See yes. what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> Although I wouldn't mind that. That would be quite handy. It's all right well, if you well, actually want yeah. to go to Norwich. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a good idea. And obviously, we both know, or we all know, that uh, our very own. Armando is flying with this airline later on this year, coming over to the UK. So yes, in, we we in, will have a, a in May, full I think, yeah. report. Yes, on uh, how fantastic play is when uh, when Armando has his. Flight. Yeah, fingers crossed. Eh, could be could be interesting times. It could be very interesting times. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Matt, you've got the next story, and uh, we're going to go droney with this next one. We are indeed, yes. This is from the popsci.com website, and the headline is FedEx will start testing a £1,900 drone for hauling packages. This is quite exciting. Uh, When we think of drones and how they might be used in goods transportation, we often think of small drones with Amazon Prime packages landing in our backyards, and there are many companies currently exploring that but fedex which announced last week that it's teaming up with a drone company called elroy air has something else in store an exploration of how to use drones for what they call middle mile logistics the drone in question is called the charapel Uh, the charapel is not small it measures around two uh, 27 feet across uh the uh 20 uh, sorry 27 feet across 19 foot long seven foot tall and weighs some 1900 pounds the wing can be rotated so that the drone takes up less space in storage or in transport the anonymous uh, the autonomous aircraft uh can schlep around three to five hundred pounds in a pod below its belly and it has a range of some 300 miles at over 100 miles per hour meaning it could make it from new york to boston unlike some of its competitors the um uh, the Charapel aircraft is hybrid electric, not entirely, uh, not purely electric. A gas turbine and generator generates the electricity to power the eight electronically driven rotors on its wings to help it take off and to land vertically and add additional four propellers for flight. Kofi Assant, who is Elroy's vice president of business development and strategy, says the hybrid model gets us the longer range. It allows us to make sure we don't need charging stations at each one of the locations. Uh, Asante says that the company is also pursuing government and humanitarian opportunities. Uh, regions such as West Africa or locales with many islands like the Caribbean could be places where this un- uncrewed aircraft excels. Uh, to get a sense of how many packages an aircraft like this uh, can, uh, like an aircraft like the Charapel can handle, Picture this. A typical FedEx delivery truck can carry some 700 to 1,000 pounds. So the three to, to 500 pounds the Elroy drone can transport represents about half of what a truck like that could carry by weight. Stephen says that they're still working to determine where they will be testing the aircraft, but cites remote Alaska as the kind of place domestically that, the aircraft, that an aircraft like this could be used used uh, this would be a perfect opportunity for this particular aircraft and because his this drone can take off and land vertically and doesn't need to be recharged with electricity it does not need a typical runway or a charging station uh richard adams is saying that 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 will make good use uh, will make a good dent in a 172 or a paraglider that is a very good point if somebody Huge. should cross uh the path i mean it, it's a fascinating bit of kit isn't it 27 really feet across yeah absolutely um and, and and the payload is worth getting excited about i think there's quite a quite a lot there isn't there that you know it can carry decent sized packages well we'll have to wait until we see it flying first yeah true yeah. that is true that is crazy but he's there's right he's right though uh, you know as funny as it sounds 
you know, hitting something that large in a light aircraft will mm. um, will not end in joy. Yes. <laughs> It'll be quite the sad ending. Yeah. Yeah. So, Nev, talking of space on board aircraft, um, what are the FAA saying? Well, they say that tighter uh, airline cabin space still do not po- uh, pose evacuation risk. And this is uh, from the travelpulse.com and travelweekly.com. Uh, changes airlines have made in recent decades to fit more seats onto planes haven't impacted aircraft evacuation times, according to long-awaited results of evacuation tests conducted by the FAA. The tests were conducted from November 2019 through to January 2020, and the testing team found that the cabin configurations currently flown by U.S. carriers do not impede evacuation progress for 99% of the American population. The report is dated uh, January 2021, but the FAA only posted it to its website on April the 1st. Uh, however, the agency did not explain the 15-month delay. Uh, in a separate March 31st report, the FAA noted that the tests relied solely on able-bodied adults under age 60. No senior citizens, children or disabled individuals participated. As a result, they provide useful but not necessarily definitive information regarding the effects of seat dimensions on safe evacuations for all populations. Uh, uh, According to the uh, former uh, FAA administrator Steve Dixon, and he wrote to lawmakers in letters uh, dated March the 31st, which was the final day of his job there. Uh, Dixon said that information from the study will inform a regulatory review that the FAA plans to conduct in order to set minimum standards for seat width, width and the space between rows on commercial aircraft. The standards which Congress mandated must be set as part of a 2018 FAA funding bill are to be based upon what is necessary for the safety and health of passengers. In the official report on the evacuation tests, authors from the FAA's uh, Civil Aerospace Medical Institute said that once the space between aircraft rows drop below 28 inches, it begins to have a detrimental effect on evacuations and a higher percentage of Americans. Currently, 28 inches between rows is the tightest configuration found on commercial U.S. airlines. Uh, The authors also noted that the general U.S. population is getting larger and heavier. They suggested that the interplay between aircraft interior configurations and the size of flyers must be evaluated on an ongoing basis um few facts to uh, fill your mind with um as per the requirements for for uh, manufacturers emergency uh, evacuation demonstrations it must be shown that the maximum seating capacity can be evacuated from the aircraft under simulated emergency conditions within 90 seconds Uh, those passengers must be a mix of male and female so uh, greater than or equal to 40 percent female greater than or equal to 35 percent over 50 uh, years of age greater than or equal to female and over 50 years of age three life-size dolls must be carried by passengers to simulate live events two years uh two years old or younger and half of the exits must be unavailable as well so you you might have seen on uh, uh, various aviation programs how they uh, evacuate these aircraft and uh, they have to do it within 90 seconds with uh, uh, only half the exits available so that's uh, that's quite a thing but it it is a pass fail scenario that is the uh, certification and you must be able to do it I didn't realise that, that, that those test conditions were that you could that they on purpose blocked 
um, the exits, or, you know, like half. Yeah, but I mean, because if you've got an engine fire on, on one side of True. the engine, uh, one side of the aircraft, then uh, uh, some of those exits may not be available. So they've they've got to look at the, you know some of the worst case scenarios. Mm. Producer John does put some rather interesting pearls of um, wisdom in his show yeah, notes. Yeah. I'll just read in the one he's written here that says that um, the data for certification of the 737-800, which is the aircraft, obviously, that Ryanair uses yeah. in the UK, was actually taken from 1988 data for the Dash 400 uh, demo, which happened a full 10 years before the 737-800 was certified. And also Airbus, the A320 data for maximum passengers, uh, was certified in 2015 using data from a 1987. Uh, that's a 28-year gap, um, which is, yeah, that's pretty weird. Mm. Um, and you remember the um, British Air to 737-200 oh, yes. caught fire? On takeoff at Manchester uh, with a, a, a large loss of life, and mm. I th- yeah. after that accident, a, a lot was learned from yeah. uh, seat pitch and, and positioning and, and that kind of thing. I, and I think that redid really shape, um, change the landscape, the safety uh, for future uh, builds of aircraft. Mm. Ah, I've seen that on on a television program. Neil uh, Neil Lamborn mm. says in the chat room. In the early days, people evacuated in a very sedate fashion. Mm. Uh, Then they offered money to those who were the first off, and it suddenly turned into a realistic scramble for the exits, which is seen that on TV, actually. It does does make it very realistic when everyone's trying to get out to get their 20 quid or $20 or whatever. Mm. Um, yes, I suppose yeah. that's the trouble, isn't it? But it, I mean, again, you use the Sully thing as a, as an example, don't you? It's just like you know the fact that they were, you know, like you weren't warned. You know, it's that same scenario, isn't it? You can remain very calm and in a sort of like you know, sort of almost robotic fashion um, when you're in these test conditions. Um, but uh, you know, as, as as he said during, you know, well, I, I'm taking these from the film, obviously, rather than the actual thing, you know. But they were saying, you know, weren't warned, and and that's a big difference, isn't it? And you, you say that twenty quid is a great way of uh, sort of encouraging people to sort of leave yeah. a bit faster and make it a yeah. bit more realistic, as you say. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. So the next story uh, comes to us from simpleflying.com. And it's all about that size thing again. It's all about size this week on this uh, this week's show of aircraft. Was, uh, this is the uh, Air Baltic receiving approval to carry 149 passengers on its Airbus A220-300s. So the Riga-based carrier has successfully uh, been successful in its bid to increase the capacity of its flagship in its fleet. Uh, The Latvian airline, Air Baltic, has received approval to increase the seating capacity on its A220s-300s fleet to 149 passengers, with the first aircraft featuring the increased capacity recently delivered. The airline seeks to introduce increased uh, commonality across its fleet to maximise potential operating revenues. It's all about the money, we know this. Uh, Air Baltic, the Riga Latvian-based carrier, said it uh, received the approvals to required to operate the three, uh, 220-300 fleet of aircraft with that capacity. The res- this represents an increase of four seats over its previously used configuration of 145. So it's not a huge increase, is it, guys? 
uh, in a single class layout. The change in the certified maximum passenger capacity means the airline can unblock seats in its aircraft cabins that were up until now unavailable for passenger usage. Following the delivery of its newest aircraft in February this year, registration Yankee Lima Alpha Bravo Golf, the airline is now permitted to carry the maximum number of passengers across its fleet of 33 A220-300s. The only type of aircraft in the airline's actual fleet. So the company has already changed the cabin configuration of its of five of its aircraft so far, and the airline intends to unblock the additional seats of its entire fleet by the summer of 2023. So due to reasons relating to specific internal layouts, the location of galleys, etc., toilets, and emergency exits, some of the carrier's older planes will be limited to 148 usable seats. This is slightly lower capacity will be rolled out across the airline's first 20 A220s uh, that were delivered to the carrier. However, the 148 seats still represents an increase of three seats over the previous configuration deployed across the fleet since the type arrived with the airline at the end of 2016. So I'm yet to fly on the 220. It's... We've covered it many times on the show, and it, it seems to be a very. That's the one you guys went. Is that the one you guys aircraft. went on board at? On board at at um, Farnborough. Yes, and uh, Al was very impressed with the uh, bin storage uh, yeah. as well. Um, and um, yeah, it's a very nice aircraft. I saw one, in fact, one of the Air Baltic ones at um, Stockholm uh, this week as well, looking very smart, all parked up. But uh, no, I've not flown on one yet either myself. But um, yeah, it looks like, uh, it looks like a great aircraft actually. BA haven't got these yet, have they? No, they haven't. No. no. Are they planning to? Don't know. No. I don't think they no. have ordered any 220s. John Jester says oh, it's a very it. nice ride. It's very quiet. Amazing cockpit apparently. Yeah. Mm, yes, it yeah. was very roomy, John, wasn't it? I mean, we uh, I think Fabian and uh, Al and myself had a quick tour of the cockpit mm. and um, uh, in Farnborough, yeah, v- plenty of room in there, and uh, very, very nicely laid out too. Yeah, yeah, it has a, apparently, according to the thing at the store, it says it it has a four times smaller noise footprint. Wow. Um, yeah, and reduces carbon dioxide and nitrous oxide emissions, or not? Yeah, nitrous oxide emissions by twenty percent and fifty percent respectively. So it's a greener and cleaner and uh, quieter aircraft. Mm. So yeah, we we need to um, anyone uh, any airlines listening to the show who want to um, <laughs> let the PTUK crew have a okay. quick jolly out in a, in a two twenty. Sure, why not? <laughs> you know where to uh, you know where to find us. Yeah, yeah. Podcast at plaintalkinguk dot com. Exactly. You <laughs> Thank you, Matt. So Matt, staying with you. Yes. And uh, it's sad times for those who love the Learjet. Yeah, absolutely. So the Learjet era ends with a final delivery. So this is coming from the flyingmag.com website. And uh, it, it is simply this. The final Learjet has been delivered since 1990 Learjet has been a subsidiary of Bombardier Jets in February 2021 Bombardier uh, announced it was discontinuing the production of Learjets however it would continue to provide support and maintenance for the popular aircraft that are still in use Eric Martel president and CEO of Bombardier 
said that the said the company is now focusing on production of global and challenger jets instead the learjet with its distinctive sloped nose has been flying since the 1960s it was one of the first personal jet designs to be developed and flown according to uh, jetnet.com approximately 3043 learjets have been built and of those approximately 2145 are still in use the final learjet was delivered to northern jet management in grand rapids michigan late last week northern jet management has other learjet models to their fleet including the first and last learjet 70s the 100th learjet 40 and the 600 learjet 45 the learjet was designed by william lear uh, an inventor and aviation businessman lear started designing a private jet in the 1950s at the first learjet built by what became known as the learjet group uh, learjet corp sorry rolled off the assembly line in october 1963 known as learjet 23 for model 23 the aircraft would seat as many as eight people the production models began to appear in 1964 the aircraft aren't the only thing lear invented he is also known for developing the eight track cartridge audio tape and developing the technology that made it possible to reduce the size of electronics which enabled radios to be installed into aircraft without a significant weight issue during his 46 year career he received over 120 patents that's amazing that is quite that is amazing isn't it so yeah so learjets and uh, essentially uh yeah completely reinventing the radio as we know it i mean those are those are some serious ticks on your cv aren't they Gosh, yeah, I didn't realise about the eight-track cartridge. Though. No, no, and yet, and yeah. yet, it's something that Amazing. both you and I um, are very familiar. Well, you know, sort of, you know, sort of just, just well, just, just wow. It was more far more popular in the US than in Europe, wasn't it? The eight-track cartridge. Um, yeah. But uh, having said in that... In head units, in cars, wasn't it? That was, yeah, yeah, having, yeah, yeah. Having said that, I do remember going into various record stores uh, in the UK, well, obviously a very long time ago, um, and they were there. So, uh, yeah. Well, and I, I, I remember the, uh, the eight-track um, units uh, from the early days um, in radio, of course, because they used to put the stingers and stuff. Yes, the, that's the, the NAB cartridge. On the, on the, the NAB, NAB cartridge. cartridge. Yes. Oh, right. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. sorry. Oh, I thought I thought they were the same. Sorry. No, uh, I mean the, the <laughs> shell was the same, but uh, yeah. a different tape speed and uh, fewer tracks as well. Right. Uh, okay. So. Fair enough. There we are. Uh, well, but nonetheless, nonetheless, quite quite a revolution at, at yeah, the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, you know, just talk about the story again. You know, when you you talk about like business jets and and flying in posh jets and stuff like that, Learjet was always that one. That always one of the first ones that came into my mind whenever you're talking about. You know these business jets. Learjet is that not just that iconic name of of biz jets? Yes. So I had yeah. a quick I had a quick scan just now to see how much I could go and uh, acquire one for, and um, for a two thousand and one Learjet sixty, three and a half million. It's not too bad. I'm being told off for not saying Bombardier correctly. Apparently. <laughs> 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 or the way or, that you would normally say it. <laughs> oh right, oh, I see. Right, yeah. Okay, fair enough. If, uh, if you want to be, if you want to be a cheapskate, you can get a, a smaller Learjet thirty-one for just over half a million dollars. Mm. Indeed, you're saying. Uh, 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 Miles High is saying. I wonder if any any Learjets had eight track players in them. 
Probably. <laughs> yeah, that's a possibility, isn't it? You hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, Nerd Alert says, says mm-hmm. Neil Lamborn, I apologise for nothing, Neil. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, right. Okay. Nev's going to be recontacting Ford next week and asking if they've got any um, eight tracks he can put into the uh, banana. <laughs> well, they probably were popular in the Mustang and mm, say, US course, yeah. built uh, Ford cars back in the day. I'm, I'm, yeah. Of that, I've no doubt. And Cadillacs and what, what have you. Yeah. So, Nev, <laughs> you've got the final story, and it's. Uh, a good story if you uh, are needing to go to the loo. <laughs> yes. Oh. I did have to read this story a couple of times just to make sure it was uh, suitable for family listening. But um, <laughs> it's on the simpleflying.com and also on Twitter. Um, it says that Southwest Airlines calms delayed passenger with toilet paper race. <laughs> What? I'm sure that the chat room is going to light up uh, any second. <laughs> Brace yourselves, everyone. Brace yourselves. Uh, uh, it says that delays are a frustrating but everyday occurrence in the world of aviation. However, rather than let a lack of punctuality ruin the atmosphere on board, Southwest Airlines came up with a novel way of keeping passengers entertained during a delay in Chicago over the weekend. This took the form of a toilet paper race. As reported in the Daily Mail, the flight had been the subject of footage on Twitter, uh, which was WN2783, which was a service from Chicago Midway to Buffalo, Niagara, uh, in the state of New York. On April the 3rd, which was the day of the flight, Southwest had been hit by an IT failure, uh, with the airline stating that it was an experience it was experiencing flight disruptions across our network due to briefly pausing our service as we worked to resolve an intermittent technology issue. Yeah, do you remember that? Well, they literally grounded everything, didn't they, in terms of bookings and what have you. Um, passengers on each side of the Boeing 737-800 aisle faced off against each other in a contest to unravel a roll of toilet paper as quickly as possible. They did so by passing the roll over their heads from the front of the plane to the back, with it also being imperative not to break the paper. Uh, Encouraged by a flight attendant, both teams (laughs) gave it their all. Uh, The video shows that it was a fairly close contest, with the passengers on the right-hand side seemingly holding a slender lead. Unfortunately, it's unclear which side came out on top, but needless to say, good fun was had by all. The flight eventually <laughs> arrived in Buffalo at 23.28 local time, just over an hour behind schedule. <laughs> well, I was just wondering whether we could have tried that uh, on the BA flight yesterday as we had to wait for a gate for half an hour. You know, we could have Did just you? done that. I'm, I'm sure the flight crew would have been uh, delighted uh, with us. <laughs> Richard Adams is suggesting that uh, it was a uh, quilted newspaper for first, uh, newspaper for cattle class, obviously. Um, oh, of course. Of course. And Miles Hire is suggesting that uh, it's the bog roll contest. I like that. I, it's good fun. It's, it's uh, Honestly, it never fails you know, me when you see the, the, the lengths that Southwest will go to... Um, entertain their passengers you just don't get that with any other airline <laughs> no. the thing of it is we've you, you've got to go to the u.s to to obviously experience southwest yeah um yeah i uh, just think it, it would make flights so much better if you had that level of fun they looked fairly flushed apparently richard adams is saying 
Oh, blimey. Here come the puns. Brace yourselves, everyone. Oh, here, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I'm surprised they've started this late, actually. Well, Matt. true. That is very true. That is very true. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, I think that concludes late, our military... St- oh, hello. What's going on? <laughs> I just thought there'd be another one popping there. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's, anyway, that yes. does bring to a close. Does it? Uh, right. Loose, okay. For this yeah. week. Um, and we must move on, I suppose, haven't we? Yeah, yes, we've, we've, indeed. We've got our military segment brought to us courtesy of Armando this week. Actually. We have indeed. But I know he's not here. He is here. Indeed. But, here. but I think first we have a little bit but of first. A, a little bit of caption, shall we? Yes. This week, when I published the caption, this photo, it's safe to say there are rather a lot of comments on the picture. Good. That's what we like and to hear. It has probably been one of our most popular pictures for Caption This since we started doing this segment on the show. <laughs> uh, posted on a Wednesday on our Facebook page, for those of you who don't already know, uh, the little picture that we have. And we had so many comments this week that we've just literally gone through and just picked the ones that made us chuckle and, and stuck them on here. There are so many, guys. It, it, it would, mm. This would have been like a, a, a quarter of an hour segment just to get through <laughs> all the names. But thanks to everyone who did. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. respond on there so matt um if you pop the picture up and and uh, we'll leave it to uh, mr bounds to explain what's going on for our audio listeners in this picture oh well uh, i mean i think the, uh, the the best best description of it is it's a, a plane up on some jacks uh, without any <laughs> landing gear or engines or any engine <laughs> so, yeah absolutely Strange enough. indeed um, yes so um yeah that's that, that's the best description of it i would say Indeed. So I'll kick things off then with uh, John, who says, "I told you we were we shouldn't have uh, left it overnight at Liverpool Airport." This week for that one. Indeed, John Ferguson says, "I told you we shouldn't have have parked on this side of town." Um, Our aviation chum, Rob Mark, says to the uh, FO, and when exactly was the last time you actually saw the landing gear, young man? (laughs) (laughs) Jeffrey says, pilot and co-pilot, Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble. (laughs) Uh, Steve Dolphin says, has anybody checked eBay for the rest of this aircraft? (laughs) Yeah, and another... (laughs) Yes. Another Steve says, A320 Matt explained the procedure for landing with a bad nose wheel. But what about this configuration? <laughs> yeah, perhaps you should have him back to explain yeah, how, yeah, absolutely this how this one would work. Yes. Uh, James uh, says, I told you this was a dodgy part of Birmingham. <laughs> Sean Taylor says, it's an aircraft designed to fly short legs. Oh, oh see what we did there. <laughs> Uh, Chris, Christian Shellguard says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain. I'm afraid there's going to be short, a short delay before we depart due to a minor technical issue that requires the assistance of a maintenance mechanic. But we expect to be on our way shortly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Stuart says, the new airline startup Dream to Fly releases its first images to the media. The CEO says we can't wait to get our passengers off the ground. Quite yes. Uh, Chris says it's like it's like this, Carlos and Armando. It's like this, Carlos and Armando. The new F1 pit crew guys didn't do as well in training as we'd hoped. <laughs> David says, uh, "Let's all support our local airline." Oh, very good. <laughs> like that one. Uh, Gary says, "Never park your plane on a deserted street in Chicago." Uh, John Luke says, "Aircraft left legless after boozy night out in." Ibiza. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Stuart says, Carlos couldn't wait to show his wife their new global warming-free <laughs> home. It didn't require electric or gas and was designed to withstand flooding. Yes, and I think oh, in this case it came with... Only. I can say it comes with a free divorce as well, I think. But anyway, there we go. Uh, uh, Mark uh, McElliott, who we saw our 400th, actually, mm. he says, uh, stopped at John Lennon International for a quick bite and came out to this. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Klaus says, Ryanair buys more aircraft and expands its offering. Flights from Dublin to Dublin, now available from just €19. <laughs> Euros. <laughs> there we go. Oh, Honestly, blimey. they were all very much on form. I think this week, weren't it's they? One Love of the best it. ones yeah. we've had. I think so. Yeah, Let, let's have a look. Quick look at the yeah. chat room. Richard Adams uh, says, "Struggle to push back from those stands." <laughs> mm-hmm. Good point. Yes, good point. Well made. <laughs> Uh, Miles High says no frills, flight to the extreme. I like that one, yeah. <laughs> uh, Richard Dunn says the safety brief would be a little bit stilted. Oh dear. <laughs> oh, Carlos needs to his tea out then. <laughs> uh, uh. Uh, Richard Adams, quick search Carlos Gar- Carlos's garage for a set of gear. Yes, very true. <laughs> yeah. I would have them in there yeah, if absolutely. I had the chance. If I had the chance. Too right. And actually, Captain Cruz is saying, where and when was this photo taken? Don't know. Good point. Judging by the quality, about 1926. Yeah, but, probably, um, yeah, absolutely. So a big thank you to everyone who commented on the picture this week. That It was very popular. And um, we'll be back with another picture next Wednesday on our Facebook page. So keep your eyes, your ears open uh, on our Facebook page next Wednesday. And if you don't already follow us, give us a little follow on Facebook. Uh, search for us on there. Details on that coming up at the end of the show. So, what's coming up next, uh, Nev? Your favourite part of the show? Oh, yes, the military. Um, and uh, luckily, Armando has sent in all the information that you need <laughs> to know about it. A buggy's Sorry, I can't be on the show today. I know I'm disappointing all our military fans, but I started off the day having to fly our skydive plane. It hasn't flown in three months, and it was just one of these things that's uh, skydive season is ramping up, and we just had to make sure that the airplane was safe and good to go. So, started out this morning with uh, flying that airplane, and then as I've been saying over the last couple of weeks, it's been uh, we're in moving go mode. So, this week is the final. Uh, push before we move into our new house. So this is the last time you'll see the old um, studio, if we're going to call it that, at least the home office. Um, but either way, got a couple military stories that I'd like to talk about this week. The first one uh, comes from NPR.org and is actually uh, from South Korea. These two South Korean Air Force trainers collided during um, a mid-air training flight uh, last Friday, killing, uh, killing all four individuals on board both aircraft. Both of the aircraft were KT-1 trainers. Um, they were South Korea's, they are South Korea's first indigenously developed aircraft. Um, they both took off from this Air Force base in the southeastern city of Seichon, um, one after another for a flight, uh, training flight, and they were gonna go out and do some, tor- um, some formation flying. Now this collision apparently occurred about five minutes after the first aircraft took off. 
only about 3.7 miles south of the base in Sechang. Um, on board each aircraft were two individuals, an instructor pilot and a student pilot. Um, in this situation, all four individuals ejected from their respective aircraft, but were later found uh, deceased um, in their locations. Uh, all four victims were identified. Um, two first lieutenants and their instructors were both civilian employees at the Air, at the Air Force base. Um, of course, the Air Force said it's going to launch an investigation as to what caused the collision. And fortunately, there were no civilian casualties or injuries or much property damage on the ground. Um, a police official said that a passenger car was destroyed after being hit by the wreckage, but um, the officials weren't immediately notified of any additional um, damage to civilian property. Now, South Korean media did publish a few photos of the um, vehicles as, as well as some kind of debris from the aircraft. Um, local emergency officials later identified the three bodies in a mountain, uh, three of the bodies in a mountainous area and another one in a farm near Seichan. Um, they do believe that the aircraft, um, after the pilots ejected, crashed into a, a mountain. Um, the rescue efforts, there were three helicopters, 20 vehicles, dozens of emergency workers were dispatched to the presumed crash sites. Um, and of course, this comes after a couple incidents in the South Korean Air Force. Um, January, there was an F-5 fighter that crashed in um, near Seoul and uh, that incident prompted some individuals to um, call for the retirement of that aircraft. It is, it is pretty old. It's been around since the 1970s. Um, but the KT-1 itself has been in use since 2000, so it's relatively new. And uh, there was another in incident in 2003, um, but otherwise it's been a, a pretty reliable. And I, I threw the story in there. It's, obviously, it's unfortunate, the, the loss of life, but um, it's so important. Um, I'll talk about this a little bit later in, in the military, but it's so important to develop these basic skills, airmanship skills, uh, like formation flying, and by no means is it easy. I don't think anybody ever assumed that formation flying or military training is easy, but in, in this case, um, you know, it, it, it does result in mishaps every once in a while, and especially when you're flying a high-performance, even a trainer jet is, is fairly high-performance for a student pilot. Um, I don't know the, the experience levels quite yet of these pilots, but um, it, it is challenging and whether it's wind, uh, pilot controls or, you know, some other external factor or internal factor, um, this kind of stuff is difficult to do. And, and unfortunately, in this case, it didn't work out so well for these guys. I mean, it's always very sad, obviously, when there, there is uh, loss of life, of course, with these things. Um, but I think a lot of people, when when you talk about military aircraft and and especially the the fast jets, kind of like these, the KT one, even though they're mm. trainers, you ex you always kind of people generally tend to think that that military aircraft and fighter pilots as, as such will never have any accidents because they're so you know the training is so yeah. you know intense and so everything is done to a perfect thing but the accidents do happen unfortunately yeah and then yeah. also i mean there's been a bit of a run recently hasn't there i mean a, oh, blimey, a couple yeah. of naval uh, naval ones as well again training exercises which which haven't quite worked out and and things like that i mean i, I suppose we've almost got used to them not happening almost you know and just mm. a reminder i suppose of of it it's very very you know it's a, it's a dangerous old game tough environment i think yeah, yeah. A tough environment to be in indeed 
So the ne- next story that uh, Armando's got for us this week is uh, regarding uh, Ukrainian pilots uh, revealing how US F-15 jets helped Kiev fight the superior Russian Su-35s. Now, this second military story is from the situation in Ukraine. Um, specifically, this, this it's a kind of a two-part story. The first part of it is from DefenseAviationPost.com, uh, and it's the accounts of a Ukrainian pilot revealing how training with U.S. F-15s um, have helped the Ukrainians uh, beat the, by all accounts, superior Russian Su-35 fighter jet. So for about a month now, this Ukrainian pilot, known as Juice, that's his call sign, has been giving interviews to media outlets on how the Ukrainian aircraft and the air defense systems have managed to keep the Russians at bay. With MiG-29s and SU-27s, the Ukrainian Air Force has managed to really, really um, demonstrate their, their amazing skill. The SU-27s are generally utilized for air-to-air missions, while the, MiG, the MiGs are, are generally, again, reserved for air-to-ground and air defense missions. And although the SU-27 is a more formidable air defense asset, the early, loss, uh, early losses of aircraft um, have reduced the fleet size, which was already less than the MiG-29 fleet. So the MiG-29's basic air defense role entails uh, monitoring an area in pursuit of any aerial threats. Um, they call it free hunting, or just really forcing any enemy aircraft, or in this case, the Russian aircraft out of the region. Now, thanks to lessons gained from working with the U.S. Air Force, uh, the Ukrainian pilots have some experience with large-scale, high-intensity conflict scenarios. Particularly, there was an exercise in 2018 called Clear Sky, which was Ukraine's ever uh, joint multinational exercise. In this case, the MiG-29s and the Su-27s paired with and sparred with F-15Cs from the California Air National Guard's uh, 144th Fighter Wing. Uh, During this exercise, Clear Sky, the F-15s were imitating the tactics and the performance of the Russian Su-30 and Su-35 flanker aircraft. The F-15s involved in these maneuvers were older than the Ukrainian MiGs, but they have been extensively updated and were, de- were deemed far more capable than the MiG-29s or the Su-27s, um, which had only received minor improvements. So despite this, according to accounts, Ukrainian pilots were, uh, quote, sometimes quite effective, according to Juice, uh, the Ukrainian pilot, um, simply using their flexibility and their creation of non-standard decisions. Uh, in a statement, he said, we ran a lot of basic fighter maneuvers against MiG-29s and SG-27s. Um, oh, sorry, this, this was a statement from the U.S. Air Force, which we'll talk about um, this, this um, pilot in a second. But he said, we ran a lot of basic fighter maneuvers against their MiG-29s and SG-27s with our F-15Cs. And to be honest, we could tell right away that their pilots were really good. Um, they noted that the U.S. Air Force instructors noted that they were strategically innovative. Uh, they know their airframes and they were very aware of their deficiencies and limitations. So above all, during this exercise, the Ukrainian pilots gained a better understanding of NATO fighter pilot thinking through their sharing of strategies to resist these Russian tactics, which made, which has made a, a significant difference in this Russian uh, invasion and especially in, in the skies above Ukraine. So the second part of the story is from the drive.com, which is from the same exercise. 
um, the U.S. Air Force pilot, um, in fact, the, one of the mission planners for this exercise, Clear Sky, also came out in public and said, um, he, he, well, he said he, he said that the few, few people truly appreciate and understand the capabilities of Ukraine's tactical jet aviators, as well as this pilot who goes by the call sign Jersey. He flew alongside with them in these training exercises. Now, these the, the Air National Guard, along with all U.S. National Guard assets, have what's called a state partnership program. These are individual state units um, or state efforts to partner with, with uh, foreign countries. Uh, in this case, um, or more recently in Europe, the National Guard Bureau, including the Air and Ground, or the Army National Guard, um, they've partnered with Bulgaria, Czech Republic, Estonia, Hungary, Latvia, uh, Macedonia, Poland, Romania, Slovakia, Slovenia, um, and of course, Ukraine that we're talking about. So in, in this statement from this pilot, this F-15 pilot, call sign Jersey, he said, I don't know how the National Guard Bureau decided on pairings, but we were lucky in the California Air National Guard to have a state partner that was strategically important, and that was Ukraine. In the summer of 2011, right before he joined the, the California Guard, the 144th Fighter Wing was still flying F-16s, and it had a groundbreaking exercise at Mirgorod Air Base in Ukraine. In that case, in 2011, it was called Safe Skies. Um, in that in that particular exercise, there were F-16s that went over and and worked with the Ukrainian MiG-29s and Su-27s. Um, but for me, I, you know, that I put this this uh, this second story in here about Ukraine because. Kind of week in and week out, we are talking about exercises happening all over the world. Marine exercises just recently in Norway. We talk about um, joint partnership exercise, bilateral exercises in South America and Asia and Africa, in Europe, Eastern Europe, um, even even with our closest allies. The, the fact, you know, we love the word interoperability, but this right here is exactly where this kind of exercise and this kind of training pays off. The Ukrainians are benefiting from learning U.S. skills. Not to say that the U.S. is better, because they're certainly not in many ways. Um, in in this particular case, they just get exposed to something outside of their own air force, and they are able to employ those tactics with an adversary like Russia. So you come in here, and by all accounts, you know it's been almost a month and a half now that the Russians have been flying in Ukraine. The the Russians were gonna were gonna wipe them clean and and that just hasn't happened because of the absolute uh the combination of the training from the ukrainian pilots as well as that resolve and that will to fight and defend um you you combine that motivation and those skills sets together along with with some very capable aircraft the mig-29s and c-27s and that's exactly how you end up with the situation that we have right now, which is they are doing an amazing job. It's a tough job. I'm, I don't want to marginalize that they are uh, winning by any means, and I think everybody should support them. But in supporting them, this is exactly how we do it. Sometimes it just takes years and years and years of training um, for a situation like the one that we find ourselves in in Ukraine right now. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just a, such a sad situation, isn't it? I, you know... Uh, we can rely on Armando to sort of keep it sort of on the detail. Really. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah, and absolutely. It's always good to get his um, thoughts and the interpretation of it all as well, isn't it? I, th- I think it's, he's a tremendous mm. um, 
massive asset to the uh, the show, and um, very much yeah, so. especially when it comes to stories like this, where you've really got to dig very deep into them to to find out what's really Absolutely. going on. Absolutely. So between that, him, and, between him and John, we're really quite lucky, actually. Aren't well, we? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and having you two guys as well as as the, as the tech gurus is also very very helpful indeed. Yeah. Well, we're quite useful at you know a live event, for example. <laughs> uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. That's where there are where our strengths. Uh, pull in but uh yeah it's uh actually yeah. on a side note that that um that mig 29 that had the blue that gorgeous mm, blue wasn't um, it just camouflage paint job i, I remember i was at riyadh for years ago and and uh when that was there and i think i, I was there with mr warner at the time yes and saw uh, that flying, uh, so. I'll, I'll give you one guess where those pictures came from uh oh we, okay fair yeah they, they were literally bless him i ha- i've i've i I've, i hadn't warned him at all these were literally being sent in hot off the presses uh, as yeah. he was listening that to the story stunning, yes, it? it is a stunning thing isn't it yeah uh, it doesn't Honestly. work very well in the uk with our horrible gray skies as, of course as military was, aircraft <laughs> go now you've got to admit that does look Blooming nice. Oh yeah, no no complaints from me at all. Yeah, yeah. bit noisy though, I reckon. Well, <laughs> I, I would like to see the the, the old uh, the ST done in that kind of job. It's possible, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Perhaps, perhaps if you're listening, Ford. Uh, right. I, 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 no, I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. No, indeed. Answers uh, on a postcard uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, chat like room. Yeah. Anyway, this uh, next story uh, from Armando is uh, all about the US Special Ops Command receiving their A-29C Super Tacoma. He says it's an SU-27, apparently. Uh, Mr. Oh, Warner. I'm sorry, I'm sorry yeah. SU-27. <laughs> Just ruin my, ruin my start of there to that story. Thank you. Oh, Thanks, okay. Mr. Warner. Yeah, he's, he's good at that. Anyway. Uh, Same he, thing. That's, they all make noise and they fire bullets. And <laughs> anyway, they go. <laughs> here's Armando with uh, story number three. This third military story we've actually been tracking for a long time. The, this particular story is from defenseblog.com. The U.S. Special Operations Command receives their first A-29 Super Tucano aircraft. This private contractor, Sierra Nevada Corporation, or SNC, as we talk, uh, we, we refer to them, they announced the final, final delivery of the third uh, A-29 Super Tucano to Air Force Special Operations Command. SNC says that the aircraft, the most technologically enhanced and, and mission-capable A-29 brought to the market so far, are intended for Air Force Special Operations Commands, or AFSOCs, Combat Aviation Advisor Mission, which is designed to build the international partner capacity that we were just talking about. Now, the first two A-29Cs were delivered earlier this month. They are already conducting operations, uh, training operations with AFSOC at Herbert Field, which is AFSOC headquarters, that's in Florida, um, as kind of the gold standard for light attack uh, combat and reconnaissance aircraft. The A-29C is built in the U.S. by SNC and its partner Embraer. Um, specifically Embraer Defense and Security. SNC is also contracted to deliver the ground support equipment, the pilot training, the contractor logistics support, spares, sustainment, maintenance for for the program. Now, in a uh, statement, Ed Topps, who is a senior vice president for tactical aircraft systems for SNC, uh, he said, SNC is incredibly proud to partner with the U.S. Air Force and support this critical global mission. With, active product, with an active production line and low life cycle cost, the A-29C can easily transition into the field to enhance warfighter support and provide long overdue capabilities to those on the ground. Now, specific to the CAA mission, the A-29C provides AFSOC with these advanced capabilities for the purposes of 
uh, assessing, training, advising, assisting, and accompanying other partner nation aviation forces in the employment of air power. Um, this is exactly what we were talking about in the last story for some of these air forces and these partner nations that don't have advanced aircraft like MiG-29s. The uh, Super Chicano along with, you know, the, the, the PC-7, PC-9, the T-6 Texan uh, II, right, the turbine one, um, those kinds of aircraft are aircraft that are are easily learned, but are incredibly incredibly capable at the right hands and with the right training for some of these countries. So this is a story we've been tracking now for probably three or four years. Uh, finally, it's coming to fruition, and these uh, Super Chicanos are actually being delivered to uh, U.S. Special Operations Command. Very exciting, as you say, is the plan is coming to fruition, as they say. It's uh, tying up nicely at last. Yeah, I remember the uh, the Royal Air Force, they, um, they they got rid of their Tucano T1s back in 2019, I think it was, um, in the UK here. But they're, they're a brilliant trainer, training aircraft. Yeah. That's another one of those ones that I would like to have a go at myself. Right, OK. Is there any... Anyone's air- listening? I can say, is there any aircraft you wouldn't want to have a go at? Let's be oh, honest. There, well, there's lots that I, I, I don't want to have a go in, but, you know, when we cover stories like this, or when Net, um, Armando covers stories like this, I think, yeah, that's one of those ones that I'd really love to have a go in. Right, OK. <laughs> Given the chance, you know. Given the chance, OK. If you so, say so, yeah. I know. So uh, moving on to our last story in the military segment for this week. And uh, in this one, uh, he's, Armando's talking about airmen using Velcro to fix emergency doors on the Air Force's problem-prone new tanker aircraft. The last military story. We've been talking about the KC-46 and Boeing's woes for also years now. Uh, this particular story comes to us from taskandpurpose.com. And it, it, I'll just read their first line. If you ever feel like your life is a mess, remember that it could be worse. You could be an air-to-air refueling tanker that's already five years late, billions of dollars over budget, and still racking up problems that will take years to fix. If that sounds like you, you're probably the KC-46 Pegasus. This beleaguered tanker in the Air Force is being counted on to replace the KC-135 and KC-10, and it is just not getting there. Still riddled with issues. The remote vision system is still not fixed. Uh, It still doesn't work in all lighting conditions. The fact that the lavatory, this is a new one for me, but the lavatory apparently leaks, uh, we're just going to call it sludge or blue juice, Uh, when the aircraft goes into a steep climb or a dive, which is part of tactical maneuvers. And now the latest trouble is the aircraft's overwing emergency exit doors cannot open without the crews installing a makeshift modification. In this situation, uh, the, the doors have been found to not open inwards, which obviously can make it hard to get out of the airplane in an emergency. That's according to Major Hope Cronin, who is an, a spokesperson for Air Mobility Command. This problem was identified in March, and Air Force engineers worked quickly with Boeing engineers to develop a temporary a temporary fix, which was Velcro. <laughs> this, uh, in the official statement, they said, this change removes the associated emergency risk until a permanent modification can be made. 
But the Velcro does fix the trick, uh, or, or does the trick from an operational perspective. Um, and in that sense, it's, you know, not much different from crew members or military people or really anybody using uh, duct tape or speed tape uh, to fix anything on, on an aircraft. Um, but Boeing did not have a cost estimate to make this permanent fix to the aircraft. And now it has to retrofit 57 tankers already being flown by the U.S. military and two by Japan. Um, the overwing exits, of course, are not essential to the KC-46's main, main mission of aerial refueling. But as you can imagine, it's important to to be able to egress the aircraft in an emergency. It's just a, another step backwards for the Boeing program, for the KC-46. Uh, unbelievable that we've just now resorted to sticking Velcro on the trim so, so the airplane can be operationally employed. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed these military stories for this week. Hopefully, I'll be on the show next week, and we'll catch you later. Thank you, Armando. I mean, who would have thought uh, that, you know, the power of Velcro? Velcro. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, duct tape is a well-known repair tool, speed isn't it? Tape. For, yeah, spe- oh, speed tape, right. Speed okay. tape. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Uh, have, have you ever mended anything on, on your uh, banana, Nev, with Velcro? Uh- <laughs> no. Uh, but, uh, no, that poor KC-46 aircraft, it's just never-ending, isn't it? It's just um, been dogged with problems from day one, hasn't it? Now, obviously, this is, you know, a bit uh, not as serious as some of the other things that they were having problems with. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it does, does make you wonder. <laughs> yes, I can't help but feel something wasn't quite well thought out before yes. it was launched. You think with all the hassle that, that Boeing are having currently with, with other aircraft, not mentioning names of the aircraft, uh, but we all know which ones they are, you'd think they'd just sort of just say, oh, do you know what, let's just call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> let's just start again Uh, let's just do something different push bikes or something you know mark saying on the whatsapp number surely they have great numbers of these aircraft in the desert to replace parts with yeah (laughs) true that's 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 a blinking good point actually indeed also also i'll i'll forward this on to you but uh, also mark's come up with a beer recommendation for you to try from little just fyi oh yes oh i like that okay all right well hang on I'll, i'll forward it on sorry I forgot, I've forgotten okay. it was the uh, Plain Talking Beer podcast. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Something for you to look at. Uh, anyway, that is where the military comes to a close. Thank you to Armando. I say he's been ridiculously busy this week, so very 6. much appreciated. 6.7%. All right, calm down. Uh, very, very grateful for him to take the time to send us those videos because, hey, the military wouldn't be the same without him, let's be honest. Uh, it's time now to start wrapping up, believe it or or not um but uh yeah how can people get in touch carlos so if you want to get in touch with us on the show which we would love you to we'd love to hear some of your feedback voice or uh, uh, written feedback voice is good though we love voice feedback absolutely uh, you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram search your social medias for plain talking uk If you would like your picture to be on the green screen behind me or behind Matt, you can send your picture in on our WhatsApp number. That's plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. If you want to email the show, you can email us a picture or email your audio feedback. If you like to podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. 
www.thebeatmakers.com. Uh, why not subscribe to our YouTube channel? You'll get notifications when we go live as well, so you can help shape the conversation in our chat room by joining us uh, for the live show. Just search www.youtube.com and search for Playing Talking UK, although everyone's in there now. They already have done that. Uh, if you're on our website, you can look for us, all the w's.playingtalkinguk.com. On there, you'll find uh, the link to Amazon if you're going to do your shopping, uh, which I did last weekend, bought some cat food. Uh, <laughs> you can go on there and it will, we'll get a small referral fee, which is always nice to get every now and again from Amazon. doesn't cost you a penny. Uh, you can become a patron of the show on there as well. If you want to become a patron of the show and help to, uh, to support the show, uh, you can become a patron on the link is on there or you can do a one-time donation as well via paypal uh, which all helps and every uh, trust me every little bit a hundred percent helps to put the show together and uh, keep matt in cabling when things go wrong <laughs> in the studio which hey, it's not my fault <laughs> <laughs> um we've got um some projects coming up uh, this year. We're going to try and do as many air shows as we can this year. And we've got a few in the pipeline, uh, Jersey being one in September with me and Nev. Um, we're also going to hopefully plan a summer meetup barbecue this year uh, as well, like we've done a few years back at Seething, uh, which hopefully we'll try and plan that for some time in the summertime uh, for those of you who, who have your ppl and want to fly in you'll have the chance to fly in and uh, come and see us on uh, on a on a saturday for that barbecue but uh, dates to be confirmed but that will be another thing in the pipeline for this year so keep your eyes and ears on the show for more info on that so let's have as we've got a few minutes spare we'll have a quick run round uh, the uh, the table uh, obviously with us here this evening to see what we're all doing the hosts are planning next week obviously nev I- i'm guessing you We've got another 400,000 journeys with BA booked for next week. <laughs> Actually, this coming week is a non-flying week, <gasps> pleased to say. Um, which would be actually quite nice for a change. Um, so, yeah, just working at home and visiting some customers in London and the home counties. Uh, but then the following week, it's uh, I shall be... Uh, we're doing a, um, a conference, an exhibition over at the University of East Anglia Ooh. in Norwich, which you might have heard of. I have. Uh, between the 20th and 22nd of April, which would be great. And then after that, it goes mad again because it's uh, Edinburgh, Dundee, and then back again. And then Mrs Nev and I going to Rome uh, oh, for uh, the weekend, bumping into Jenny, hopefully. So looking forward to doing that. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, a week off next week from the usual madness. A bit more <laughs> normal work, I, I would say, next week. So. Indeed. Oh, very good. What about you, Carlos? What are you up to next week? Oh, I've got I've got quite a nice week actually next week plan. I've got a few days in in the office sorting out some uh, bits in the warehouse, which trust me need sorting out because I haven't been in there to do anything for for a while. <laughs> and uh, I think I've got a few little trips a- across the UK to vary a couple of destinations in the old truck. So that'll be nice to oh, get lovely. out of the but get out of East Anglia. I do you know what? I had a Santa Nev earlier. I had a lovely trip down to um, to Dorset earlier oh, on wow. this week. Blimey. And I have to say, it's a lovely part of the country. It is a lovely part of the world, yeah, absolutely. Very nice yeah. indeed. And people are so much more polite on the roads down mm. now. I don't know if it's just a, a Dorset thing or whatever, I, I don't know. But people absolutely. seem to be much more polite there yeah. than they are here. But, uh, yeah, so that, that'll be my week next week. A nice uh, kind of relaxing week. And don't forget as well, guys and girls, especially if in the UK, it's a short week next week, guys. 
Of course, it's Easter, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, my, my holiday actually starts on Thursday, so I've only got to do two, three days this week. It's very exciting. Yeah, uh, it's. Uh, no, I was, we, we, we were going to try and go away for Easter, myself and, and mum, and take the caravan away, but uh, uh, I've been asked to cover a certain breakfast show um, over Easter, so I shall be doing uh, uh, Friday and Monday uh, for that radio station that, that we both know of, that, so that'll <laughs> be fun. Uh, do feel free to join me if you can. I'd appreciate the company um yeah but it's a bit of a quiet one for me really on the thursday i am uh what am i doing on the thursday oh i've i'm, I'm hosting a charity bingo uh, oh over in uh i've forgotten the name name of the, uh, i want to say like long melrose or somewhere like that anyway uh it's for the pink uh, tractor ladies oh yes uh, very good charity yeah very good charity and they're raising money for cancer research uk this year so that's why myself and mr grint are off there to go and uh do oh, matt yes you better behave why Katie's in the chat room. Oh, is she? Oh, flipping heck. Well, that's all right. I'm doing a good thing. I'm promoting uh, what we're up to. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yes, and if you are if you are uh, about over the weekend, Carlos is on the radio from 10. Tomorrow uh, morning. Tomorrow morning. Uh, and then I'm on the radio Sunday morning from 7. With uh, So make sure you've got your scrambled eggs uh, ready there. It's, uh, yeah, that, that's it. I think we're done, Carlos. Yes, we have. That brings to a close episode 406 of the show. Big thanks to every single one in the chat room who's joined us this evening. It's been great to have you all uh, in the chat room this evening, making things go smoothly. Also, big thanks to John Jester for his for his uh, in technical summit, absolutely. help this evening as well yeah. in the chat room. Always good to have John. We need to have John on the show again, I think, soon. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, thanks to everyone for joining us. And not forgetting as well, thanks to everyone who downloads the show as an audio podcast uh, each week i haven't checked actually itunes and spotify and uh, podbean to see if we've had any new reviews but if you get a chance guys and girls we'd love if you could leave us a review on itunes or podbean or spotify on there it does help to uh, push the old show up yeah. in the charts which i will say uh, guys and oh, guys and girls we have pushed our way up the charts again this yeah. week I have to say, uh, I, was look, I, was, I was looking at our podcast figures uh, this week because um, I had a bit of spare time. And I must say, the the, fi- the figures at the moment are very humbling. So thank you very much to everyone who is uh, downloading uh, the show. It's, it's nice to have some new people joining us. Uh, it's, yes. it's very humbling indeed. So that's it for episode 406. Don't forget to tune in next Friday where the whole team fingers crossed we'll all be here together <laughs> you never know oh you never know so have a great weekend whatever you're doing stay safe enjoy what's flying in the air and get those cameras out and don't forget that feedback we want to hear from you so from me carlos here in my home studio from matt in the ptuk master suite studios and from mr bounds in his glorious studio over in the sprawling countryside in buckinghamshire take care everyone have a great weekend See you next Friday.
And there we were, done.